joining me. My name is Riley Murtha, and I am a mindset, self-love, and personal development coach, and also your host. My intention with this podcast is simple, to create authentic, raw, real, relatable, all-encompassing conversations about life that offer unique perspectives around what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve these things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Christiana. So excited to have you here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm Christiana. I'm a witch, psychic medium, and astrologer. I am chronically ill. I have endometriosis, fibromyalgia, and celiac disease. I'm really excited to have this conversation. You and I connected. um, A friend actually referred me to you, and I had a reading with you at the end of last year, and it was so insightful, and I just loved your your vibe and your energy from that initial um, conversation and connection, and that has kind of inspired me to to learn more and to spend more time like thinking about my own astrology and just about astrology in general and i know that that's a very common interest in like my community and my audience but also something that we just can never get enough of and people are always really curious about how to learn more and I'm, people are always asking me for referrals and people that they can learn from and go see. So I thought it would be an amazing opportunity to have you on to share some of your wisdom with us and to introduce you to this audience as someone who they can reach out to and seek that information and guidance from. Thank you so much. Honestly, that's fantastic that you're exploring your own astrology and getting more into it. I feel like a lot of people on their spiritual path find astrology and really resonate with the archetypes within it. Um, and so I'm just happy that I got to kind of help you with that. It'd be a little bit of like a gateway drug for you into the world of astrology. So I'm just excited to see where that takes you. Yeah, thank you. I really want to actually go back and watch the recording. I haven't done that yet of that call because there was so much information. I I have a flight tomorrow, like a, a pretty good length flight. So I'm going to see if I can download it and like listen to that and sit with it on the flight. I feel like that would be a great way to spend my time. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have to reach out and let me know if anything like is hitting extra hard after the reading. I'm so curious. Yeah, I know that I I shared with you, I I bought my first ever tarot deck at the end of or no, right at the beginning of this year. And I did this like, yearly forecast like tarot spread. And now I'm just for the first time learning about all the different cards and all the different meanings. And I'm so obsessed. It's so amazing. I'm actually, um, doing a tarot course or like an intro to tarot workshop with Bad Academy at the end of this month. And I'm planning to relaunch my tarot masterclass too. So I love tarot. That is something I could talk about for like a hundred (laughs) years. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we should talk more about that, but let's, let's start from the beginning. So I'm super curious. Um, how did you first get introduced to astrology, just astrology in general? Like what was your kind of initial finding that piece of the puzzle for you? What did that look like? Well, um, my mom and dad were both pretty spiritual growing up. Like we, we went to like a conventional church because I think my parents were like, oh, our friends go there and they're good people. Therefore it's like moral for us to go there too. Cause you know, that's how it is. Um, but we weren't specifically really religious. My mom had a lot of like books on spirituality. Um, one of them, I can't remember what it was, but I was a child and I found this astrology book 
and I read the Pisces section and I'm a Pisces son and it really hit me and I was like whoa okay like I really resonate with this my dad's also a Pisces my mom's a Cancer so they're both water signs it's not really a huge surprise that they're into this stuff (laughs) and so I kind of had that introduction from a young age of like just having it around and not really knowing much about it but when I was a teenager um, I kind of went through you know a traumatic time I think a lot of us do at that age Um, I ended up having to move right after my best friend um, got into a really serious accident and had to have brain surgery and it was just this really crazy time we moved to a new place I went from being in a high school, uh, being in eighth grade from like an eight to 12 high school to being in eighth grade at a middle school from like six to six to eight, basically. So I, I felt like my life totally fell apart. I was like, I don't have my friends. Like I'm at this school with a bunch of children. Like, I don't know how to fit in here. And where I ended up moving was a very religious place. And a lot of the people that I was meeting were like really into Christianity and really into their belief systems and really villainized a lot of the like alternative things that I was just starting to pique my interest in. So I felt like the villainization of that actually pushed me further into it. Like I kind of felt this ostracized, like being kind of ostracized from the group that I was trying to fit into. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to be part of this. Like, let's like, if they're going to rip on me for, for this kind of thing or talk about how it's villainized or talk about how it's bad. I want to know more about that. I want to dig deeper into it. I want to know why it's bad. So I went into like a metaphysical bookshop at like 14, not knowing like anything. And um, the first thing I was drawn to was actually a book about orbs because I had had some experiences with orbs, which is kind of crazy and like a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. But the lady at the bookstore uh, started asking me about my astrology because I was into the orbs book. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I'm a Pisces. And she's like, yeah, that, that checks out. And I was like, does it? And so she ended up giving me an astrology book. Um, I bought it, uh, and then I kind of started to notice the archetypes that were within the book and comparing them to people in my life. Um, and then I started to kind of deepen my understanding of those archetypes over time. Um, I just found that the synchronicities that were showing up between like the connections I was making within astrology to myself, to people in my life, I just started kind of holding that interest really close. I didn't really speak a lot about my interest in astrology or tarot or any of the stuff that I was exploring at that time because I was bullied for it. And like, because I was having a hard time with it. Um, I kind of kept that, I kept my cards close to my chest, if you will. Um, but then as I got older and the bullying got more intense and, um, I was, experiencing stuff like having my car vandalized I was just like you know what like fuck it like we are gonna go hardcore into this I'm gonna uh, just show up doing this shit I don't care (laughs) uh just kind of leaned into it and the harder I went the more I was like wow I love this like this is 100% my passion um there was like I was obviously still in the broom closet if you will for quite a while but I feel like um, it all started when I was like 14. Um, I got my first tarot deck around 15. Uh, really started loving astrology at the same time. I really learned tarot through the lens of the astrological archetypes, which mm-hmm. are in the tarot. Um, it's actually how I teach the tarot is through astrology and numerology. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's kind of when it all started. And um, the, the more people pushed me away, the more I was like, good, I'm the village witch, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. That's so interesting. Yeah. And there's actually, like, I see myself in your story in different ways because 
I moved a lot as a kid and as I'm an adult now and like doing all this healing work I'm like hmm like my like the moments where I shifted and I started to like really suffer and I started to like act out and like all of this stuff started to come to the surface aligns with these moves like moving is really traumatic especially as a child and when I was young as well I was in grade six and then we moved to a city where they had two school systems and I was put into a Catholic school system where everyone was baptized and everyone had been in the Catholic system their entire lives and I had never read the Bible and I had never been to church. So that was a really confusing experience and I also felt very on the outside of that. But I feel like I just rejected it all. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I don't really want to know anything about this right now. And it it led me down a different path. I wish I had gone to a bookstore. <laughs> but I think instead I went outside and like smoked a joint and like hung out with like the the kids and just like got pulled into this like party lifestyle and found this all much later when I was ready when I was ready to like explore it and to let it make sense so it's really cool how there's that those things like those similarities and then like the different the the different um I don't know ways that we dealt with that and then how we kind of have come to a similar way of seeing the world like later in life for sure. I feel like a lot of the time these paths are really interconnected too. Like we end up meeting people that have such similar paths, similar stories, similar experiences. And it's really validating because I think a lot of the time that's what we need in the moment. And either way, the path kind of leads you there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the little breadcrumb trail. You're following it. <laughs> it yeah. makes sense. It does feel like that. So when people come to you and maybe if they're newer to any of this stuff, spirituality in general or astrology, what are they, what are they wanting? Like, what are people generally seeking when they come to you? Most of the time it is a deeper understanding of the self. I feel like astrology is at its core, a self-knowledge system. Um, That is mostly how we use it as Western astrologers. Um, We're looking most of the time at natal charts. We're looking most of the time at transits. Um, And so I think a lot of the time we're helping people to uncover more hidden aspects of the self, really uncovering, unearthing some things that might need a little reminder. In our modern society, we are really saturated with a lot of um, different ideologies that don't belong to us. We're saturated with ideas that we need to be a certain way, hit certain goals, do certain things in order to be seen as acceptable or seen as successful. And I think um, that really goes against a lot of like our innate strengths because what we are told we need to be successful for might be completely opposite to what our personal strengths are. And then we're living this whole life that's outside of what we do naturally, what we should be doing, what feels right to us. And then we feel like we're incomplete somehow. Um, based on a standard that's completely outside of our own perception. So I think a lot of the time people are feeling lost in this society. People who are on a spiritual journey are often seeking answers, seeking truth, seeking reconnection to the self. Um, And I think realistically, like um, looking at life purpose, looking at um, what we're here to do in this incarnation, that's a big part of what I unpack with people. I do think that the lens of astrology that I use is specifically Western astrology um, and it's evolutionary astrology, which is based on the idea that the soul is evolving. The soul is 
coming through multiple incarnations to learn lessons and to to move through these incarnations in a in a way that perpetuates growth Mm. so I feel like that really resonates with me I really vibe with the notion of evolutionary astrology there are some astrologers that don't necessarily believe that the soul is on an evolutionary path so that's the type of astrology that I choose to practice so I often encounter people who are seeking more understanding of their own path Um, but I also do a lot of like relationship related stuff Um, that comes up quite a bit Um, oftentimes when people are seeking readings it's either related to what they should be looking for in love or like what they um what they can do for work or how they can improve their business. And that's actually what led me to recently doing business astrology readings. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it makes so much Mm. sense. And the more that I explore and understand my own astrology, the more that I'm like, because there's such a parallel between exactly what you're saying and what I'm teaching, it's like, it doesn't make sense to not look at this piece, right? It's like a blueprint for people. It's like an amazing place to maybe not start like at any point to to find and to understand about yourself because there's things that apply to all of us like in the personal development world and in terms of like the mindset and all of these things but we're missing pieces if you don't understand like your own kind of unique blueprint so it just seems like such an important piece to personal development and self you know the whole industry of like personal growth we need to understand kind of what the makeup of ourselves is 100 percent. and I think a lot of the time we end up doing things that are like so outside of our nature or so outside of what would work for us and like our natural flow or our tendencies um one of my favorite things is when I teach astrology um I, I've taught some workshops before and actually um on my retreat that I hosted in October I taught my workshop decoding the cosmos which is just an introductory workshop to astrology and it's all about how to unpack your own chart and I got to sit down with each person at the retreat and look at their chart with them on paper and talk talk it through with them after we've done the workshop where they've unpacked their own chart and just really seeing like from when we got to the retreat versus after I've had these meetings with people like the the moments of inspiration the moments that are clicking for people just the the deeper understanding of the self like there's a certain satisfaction that comes with like the validation of knowing that there are certain things that are in your stars in your chart that have been there since the moment of your birth that really speak to you on a on a deep level like it's almost like you might be told like all your life you're like a certain way or a certain thing or you need to be a certain way or a certain thing and then you see your chart and you're like oh okay this is actually something that resonates with me and I get to see those kind of like light bulb moments mm-hmm. kind of click for each person where they're like oh, okay, I can see myself this way and it still makes sense. Um, And like looking even at like the challenges too, like when we see certain um, oppositions or squares in the chart or just challenging positions or something's, um, you know, not in the most favorable position, like how can we work with that? Um, You can really see how people can kind of move through their challenges and you see like the patterns even in their stories of their life and what they've been through and how that relates so I just think the the interconnectedness of astrology is way too magical to pass on like you can't just like unpack it and then be like no nah, doesn't seem legit like once you get into it I feel like anyone who's a skeptic of astrology needs to just sit with an astrologer for a second like go get your chart done and then come back to me yeah, that was something I was wanting to ask you is how do you deal with the skeptics or like what do you say to people who 
um, you know, have that argument of like, it's, it's woo woo, it's make believe, like, is that, is that your go-to is just, I mean, I don't think those people are going to go to an astrologist and of course we just like let them, (laughs) let them believe what they believe. But what are your thoughts on like where the skepticism comes from? Um, I think the skepticism comes from a pretty healthy and normal place. I feel like with anything, like we like when we're raised in a society that tells us that things are a certain way our entire life, and we look at things like the scientific method for proof, which is a completely valid and important way of looking at information, and then we look at astrology and we see a bunch of different conflicting things because there's hundreds of different kinds of astrology there's different ways to do this it can be really confusing from the outside looking in to be like well how does that even make any sense even western astrology isn't necessarily based on the actual placement of where the planets are vedic astrology is that's Mm -hmm. indian astrology so we have different ways of looking at astrology but it can still be incredibly accurate for people so i think it's a lot more of a spiritual science than people can wrap their heads around when when astrology is not for someone or they're they're opposed to it cool like if my medicine isn't for you go find some that is that's totally fine like I like there are always going to be people that are going to yuck your yum and that's okay and I don't need it (laughs) and realistically like I don't have the capacity to give those people the same type of like energy that I would give to the people that are for me right so I think it's kind of a blessing that I don't have to deal with everyone's astrology Yeah, that's such a powerful perspective. Like, so you're not out here trying to convince people and change people's minds. You're just trusting that there's more than enough people who get it and who believe and who are seeking you out. And I think that perspective is so powerful for like everyone, no matter what they're doing. We spend so much time trying to convince people and to get that validation and to like get everybody to like us. And it's like just trusting that like, not everybody needs to get it. Not everybody needs to like get you. Not everybody needs to like you. The more authentic you can be in that, the more you're going to magnetize the exact type of people that you want in your life or that you want to work with. So I I love the way that you explain that. That's so powerful. Thanks. Basically, like that is like entirely my life philosophy. I'm told since I was a young child that I am polarizing. And I think I had a really hard time with that when I was young um, because I'm certainly not for everyone. I have a weird personality. I like weird things. Like I speak my mind. I can be really blunt. I don't necessarily mean to. I'm a neurodivergent person. I'm queer. Um, like there are things about me that don't necessarily click with everybody. Um, for the longest time, I really beat myself up about that. There's always been people that for some reason, no matter how hard I try to show them that I like them, they just don't vibe with me. And I remember this one time, this girl was just like, I worked with her. She was like, I just don't like you. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know why, but okay. And, um, I think around that time, I just kind of had this like moment where I was like, okay, like, I'm not for everyone. I just have to get into that. Like, I just have to get behind that. Like, I can't make everyone like me. And then I realized how much of a blessing it is because as a chronically ill person, I don't have the energy for everyone to like me. Like, I I literally, I quite literally can't keep up with that. Um, And I really do think that, like, every single person that is out there as a healer, there is a specific medicine that they have that is for specific people, and those people will find them and they will gravitate to their energy when they are shining their light in the way that they need to. Um, like I've got a little beacon of Christiana vibes that shoot out into the universe and the right people find it. And I, I just have to be okay with that. And if people don't like me, then 
go like someone else. I don't care. <laughs> like that's kind of how I feel about astrology in my business. It's like, I'm not doing this. So I'm not going to put all of my effort into this to convince you that it's real. Um, this is magic. And if you're not ready for it, go somewhere else. Mm. I love that so much. That's so refreshing. And I think that's just going to resonate with so many people in so many different ways. So thanks for sharing that. I hope so. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm curious where you gained your knowledge. Like, first of all, actually, I just want to say that all of those offerings that you've mentioned so far sound amazing. Like I want to sign up for all of them. And where did you do a retreat? I'm so curious about this. Oh yeah. Um, in October I did a retreat with my friend Lux from house of origins apothecary. You can find Lux on Instagram at house of origins, um, or, uh, house of origins apothecary or Lux, the herbalist, uh, Lux and I hosted an astro herbalism retreat and it was on the Libra new moon of 2023. It happened during a Libra, Libra moon, sun and rising. So we planned it to be this Libran experience of Venus energy. Uh, we had a retreat in Agassiz, BC, which mm. is near Harrison hot springs. It was way up on a mountain, like way, way up there. You had to take a dirt road way up a hill for like an hour. It was quite the adventure getting up there, but we, we really wanted like a nice isolated, lo like low key, very spa like experience. We created a lot of like different um herbal preparations for people we've had masks foot baths we did personalized herbal um concoctions <laughs> like we we had a chef there making all the meals um it was just an incredible experience we had like saunas and hot tubs we had like this massive hot tub where we could all hang out in it um it was probably the coolest thing i've ever done um very challenging to put that all together and make it happen but it was just such a pleasure working with Lux and getting to work with another queer person who loves astrology and learning from them as a herbalist was such a powerful experience. Mm. So we just combined the realms of astrology and herbalism, which are way more interconnected than people think. Like something as simple as um, rolling a candle in herbs and lighting it on a moon, uh, any moon cycle, that's astro herbalism. As long as there's an intention and it connects to the the astrology of the moment you're doing it so it's really powerful to kind of taking people through those experiences and having something very spa like after a very hard year for me that sounds amazing oh my gosh that yeah it was really good it's so cool sorry I forget your initial question no that was my question I just wanted to learn more about the retreats and then I think my like follow-up question that I didn't get to yet was um where did you learn like where did you gain all your wisdom who did you study for who did you like? Yeah. Who were your teachers? Uh, me. <laughs> me. Yeah? Uh, I had no teachers for the longest time. So um, when I was a teenager, I was studying astrology um, just like as a passion. Um, the first astrology book that I picked up that really resonated with me is called The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need, which is <laughs> the loftiest title. But like genuinely, <laughs> if you're just starting out, like it's great. Um, I shoplifted it from a chapters when I was 14 <laughs> and I have had it ever since. Um, it is a fantastic book. I'll probably send you the title and the author so we can throw it in the show notes yeah. for people. Um, but that book really unlocked a lot for me as I started to learn, um, the archetypes, the systems, the houses, the elements. Um, I started to realize that once you know the foundations, you can really build your own understanding of what's going on. And that's kind of where intuition comes into play with astrology. So like any other intuitive art, like tarot, mediumship, 
there's a lot of um, like evidence that we're looking at in the actual placements of the planets, but we're also reading intuitively. So it's like a combination of logic and intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is kind of the key for reading astrology is it's not just looking at the math. It's looking at what is outside of that? Like, what are, what are you receiving from this? And I think, um, over time, like studying astrology, reading tons of books, just practicing on my friends, um, calculating charts for people. Every time I would meet someone, I've been doing this shit forever. Like you should see the app in my phone. Like I have my astrology software on my phone. There's like hundreds of charts in it. It's like so bananas. I feel like, um, I was always looking for a mentor Um, around the beginning of the pandemic, I joined like a moon circle sort of coven group, um, with a bunch of other people. It was good. Like, I didn't really feel like it resonated with me as much. And I think that that was, um, part of my queer awakening actually. Like I was like in this group with a bunch of women and I was like, this feels straight as fuck. Like I can't do this. Like I'm not relating to any of these girls. Like, uh, and then I was just kind of like, okay, like this is a lot of women in a group, which is great. And I love being in groups with women, but I was like, why do I feel weird as weird as hell right now? Like there's something off here. Like I need to expand that. So I feel like I have had some moments where I've like joined moon circles or like learned different astrological perspectives from either other astrologers or other people who are practicing. But Mm -hmm. I think mostly I'm self-taught. And that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah. That's incredible. That's so, so, so cool. And this is, you're doing this full time. Yes. This is your full How long have you been doing this as a full-time passion job? <laughs> um, since uh, basically the end of last year, okay. um, I, before this, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I've been doing this for a while. So I started charging for my readings around 2016, 2017. I started doing um, a lot of readings at art galleries or shows or parties or like I'd get hired for like a bachelorette type thing. Um, and it was just kind of like random gigs. And then I started accidentally kind of building a client base where I'd have people be like, oh, hey, like I need a reading. Can you come over? And I'd be like, yes, cool. I guess I have clients now. And then when the pandemic hit, I was um, in university, um, nearly finished my communications degree. Um, I studied um, media studies, communications, um, a lot of like sociology and environmental philosophy kind of stuff. And I was really passionate about what I was studying. I really wanted to go into like digital marketing or something like that. Um, but then uh, online school really screwed with me because I'm neurodivergent and I can't attend like a Zoom class every day to learn Japanese. That's just not gonna, I was doing my languages at that point and I was like, I can't learn Japanese via Zoom. Like I just, it's not working for me. So. I ended up dropping out of university and I was working as a gardener at the time and I loved gardening. I have tons of plants. They are all my babies. Um, I worked as a gardener for years and I was just like, I need to take my witchy stuff a little bit more seriously as a side hustle just to bring in some extra income so I can like do something right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I uh, had like this huge epiphany moment on the night of the winter solstice of uh, 2020. And I created my business that night. Uh, basically like uh, in the morning of that day, I had this crazy synchronicity. That's a whole other long ass story. But then I, I was like, okay, this is the sign that I need to start my business. And I started my website, bought the domain, like got everything covered that day and then just kind of put it out there. And as soon as I did, cause I already had a bit of an Instagram going for my business. 
Um, but I was just taking bookings kind of like as requested. Mm-hmm. Um, everything just kind of took off from there. So it was like the beginning of the pandemic that kind of started. I don't know if this makes any sense. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I kind of went full time last year, uh, after working a bunch of different side gig jobs, like at one point I was working like four jobs because I, I got divorced in 2021. Like I left my marriage shortly after I started my business basically, mm. because the more I leaned into this, the more I realized my husband didn't like me. And the more I realized that I was not attracted to men so <laughs> I just kind of like all spiraled. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Not only am I a lesbian married to a man right now, but I'm also doing a business that my best friend told me to quit. Um, my best friend told me to go back to my gardening job because I, I was not the same and it wasn't good. And this was the first time I started loving myself. So I was like, Oh, something's wrong. Um, my husband was telling me that my business was unethical and that mediumship was not something that I should be doing, um, because it was wrong to give people hope that their past loved ones could communicate with them. So I felt like my life was falling apart (laughs) when I started my business. I was just like, okay, so like everyone I love hates me and I only love doing this now and I can't imagine doing anything else. So I guess I'm going to go start my life over. And so when I was working for jobs, paying for my downtown Vancouver apartment by myself, I was like really struggling being chronically ill. And so I had this like idea that I would never be able to be full time in my business and that I just always have to keep like hustling and doing all this crazy shit to like make ends meet because it's really impossible living in this city, like even on a decent income, like it's wild. That's a whole other thing. But, um, I basically just, the more I would try to take on other jobs, the more I would realize that it like, I literally like the universe would put up all these barriers and be like, Oh, you want to have a side hustle where you work at a dispensary? No, sorry. That's not going to work out. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then I would be like, okay, well what about this digital marketing gig where I like do social media for this other company? And they'd be like, "Mm, no, not today, bitch. (laughs) Just be like, okay. So like every time I try to do something else, I would just fall into depression or like have like a horrible health issue. Mm. And the more I started leaning into my own business, the more I was like, okay, this is aligned with my energy. I can actually do this. And the more I started to actually like believe it and do it, the more it started coming through for me. And I feel like that's such a realistic thing for so many people. And I can kind of see you lighting up as I'm saying it. Like this is something that's happened to you. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so inspiring. Like I love hearing someone's story of how like a business as incredible as yours has come like to fruition and the obstacles that you've overcome and the detours we've taken and yeah like I've I've had similar experiences where I've questioned myself and I've been like looking at jobs and like thinking about stuff and I I had like things happen like certain circumstances happen that were like clear tests like okay are you gonna do this or are you gonna stay committed to something that you know is what you're meant to be doing and like is your purpose and the more I double down on that over time again and again and again and again it just pays off bigger and bigger and bigger and so it's it's so cool to hear your journey and like I also had kind of like a life falling apart moment that created my business like around the same time in the pandemic the pandemic hit I was working in a gym I was in a relationship that was like not ideal and all of a sudden it was all gone. It was like, poof, like everything was gone. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a crisis. And at the time it felt really scary. And 
I'm so grateful for it because it gave me all of the space in the world to rebuild everything exactly as I wanted it with so much intention and gave me all of the space to like get to know myself for the first time and like really appreciate myself for the first time. And it sounds like your journey was similar in a lot of ways. And this is a conversation that I end up having and I'm sure you do too with lots of clients. It's like this moment when everything falls apart is actually kind of like the best moment ever because you get to decide how you're going to proceed and like you get to go through this like construction project of figuring out what really actually fits. 100%. It's like building the empire from the rubble. 100%. Like that is what we do in these circumstances. Like I am so grateful for like my willingness to just trust the universe when I had to leave my marriage. Like I was literally leaving my marriage with no savings. I was leaving my marriage with no friends. I was leaving my marriage with like no apartment. Like I had to give up my dog in that situation. Like there were so many things that I was losing and I was just completely like without any ground. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I think that kind of trust fall situation, like when you have to be put into a circumstance like that, like that's where you really see your own resilience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So relatable. I was like completely financially dependent at the time, like had no savings, no real income, middle of a pandemic, nowhere to live, no family in the city. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> this is going to be really, yep. <laughs> this is going to make me or break me. And I'm not the type of person that's going to like surrender and, and give up and crumble. So like, I'm, I'm super grateful for that experience. And I know that there's so many people who are wanting to take that leap and afraid to so I just think you sharing your story is like so empowering for a lot of people to hear to to know that it's possible to know that you can bet on yourself and you can step into that uncertainty and the more you trust yourself the more it's going to pay off well I mean for my astrology friends Pluto is my chart ruler so I thrive in this kind of shit (laughs) like this is this is the vibe it's like you have to follow the archetypes that are within your chart to a certain degree. Like if, if you're going through something like this and you have like Mars as your chart ruler, you're going to handle it differently than somebody who has Venus as their chart ruler. And there's different ways that we can kind of like move through Mm -hmm. the energies of like the chaos in our life that actually align with who we are and what's meant for us. And I think when I started to lean into things falling apart and allowing that and surrendering and trusting, which is a huge part of like Scorpio energy and Pluto is like trusting the the chaos and the crumble. Like you just kind of have to allow. I feel like that really, like when I started to lean into those archetypes a little bit, that's when the magic started happening for me. And I was like, okay, so here it is. Like these are the lessons I've been teaching myself my whole life Mm. and I'm I'm ready for it now. Um, And I think like, I obviously have supportive people in my life like I think my mom has been pretty instrumental in this like she's always been encouraging me to keep doing this she like got me my business cards and like she just goes out of her way to like make little things like more helpful for me in my business so I do have like a support system there that's really like amazing like my mom's kind of on her own spiritual journey too and like just took her first mediumship development course and Mm. like really excited for that because like that's unlocking a bunch of stuff for her. But I think I like in a lot of ways, I think having a support system to some degree has been very helpful for me, like in this, cause I like with chronic illness too, like there have been certain people in my life that have stuck around through the really hard stuff. Like 
not very many, <laughs> like, yeah, not very many people, but, like, the ones who have, like, instrumental. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can speak on that, too, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you need to have some people in your corner, because there's going to be times when you inevitably doubt yourself, and, and, and do, like, wonder if you're delusional, and my parents, um, are definitely supportive. They had their own fears for me, like jumping into the unknown and wanting to build this thing that like they didn't even quite understand at the time. So they've been like supportive, but like nervous. And then as I've gained momentum, they've, they've been able to like buy in and like they, it's really cool to see how, how proud and how, um, like how hopeful they've become and how confident they've become in me as I've become confident in myself. And I've had lots of great friends and people supporting me along the way as well. Um, but it's also like just such a good example and like such a, a real life way to understand the importance of our astrology because, um, like I'm a person who's like, put me in a situation where I'm going to sink or swim. Like that's where I'm going to thrive. Like if I have a plan B, it's like, I'm, I need to be all in. And I've recognized that like, that doesn't work for everybody. Some people just shut down in that situation. And like, that's not going to be the strategy that's going to help them thrive. So I feel like your astrology would be a really helpful way to understand what your strategy needs to be and how you can approach these things that's going to be the most supportive. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally feel that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned your mediumship as well. So you're an astrologer and a psychic medium. So how did you first realize or recognize that you had this gift? Um, I think the signs have been there for a long time, since I was a little kid. Um, I grew up in a house that I believe is very haunted. Um, I had a lot of friends by chance that also had haunted houses. Like I, I had a friend in high school who lived in the country and her house was so haunted that, like, the the first room you walk into, which is, like, the mud room where all the shoes are, we would put our shoes, they'd all be organized, and then we'd come back at the end of the day to get our shoes to go home, and the whole room would just be shoes everywhere, like, like completely mangled. And she'd be like, oh, this is funny, it happens all the time. And, like, randomly there'd be, like, a box of cereal fly off her fridge or, like... And this kind of stuff was, like, fairly normal to me, like, growing up, where we'd be like, oh, that's, you know, haha, like, you got a weird vibe, like, that's normal... So I think I I had a lot of like paranormal experiences as a young person um, where like when you witness those experiences happen and there is absolutely no explanation for it, you have a lot more of an open mind to this stuff. So I think I had that lens kind of going into this. Um, But when I started to dive into the tarot when I was a teenager, I would do readings for myself, I would do readings for friends. And as time went on, I would notice that there would be certain messages coming through in the in the cards that weren't necessarily from the cards, but they were resonating really, really hard with the people that I was reading for. Mm. And so I started to realize that, okay, uh, I'm picking up on this through my senses. I'm either picking up on this through emotion or through a feeling or through a vision or through something that I'm hearing. So... I, um, my mom also receives psychic information. Um, so her and I have always kind of shared that, but I think I didn't really take it that seriously until I was reading tarot professionally. And I was starting to have way more of this stuff happen where I'd be like, okay, all of a sudden I feel like a presence or all of a sudden I just know this thing that like has, there's no evidential 
like anchor from the cards to tell me this. And um, so I started to kind of explore psychic work a little bit more and do my own practice. Um, I think uh, getting a mentor for mediumship is one of the best things that I've ever done. I think it was the the thing that kind of unlocked it all for me. I just needed somebody who has been doing this to sit down with me and be like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Here's how it goes. And here's some stuff to kind of anchor you into your gifts. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I truly believe everyone is psychic. I don't necessarily believe that everyone is a medium. Um, I think everyone has the abilities to be a medium, but I don't think that work is for everyone. It is very challenging and it can be very emotionally intense Mm. um there are times I have to take breaks from it there are times I have to close my books because I can't necessarily hold the space for that work all the time um so I do encourage anyone who's interested in in pursuing their mediumship development journey um take a class get a mentor join a psychic development circle um I have psychic circles that I host in person and online and I have people of all levels come to those sometimes people their first time they've ever been in a psychic circle pull through some of the most bananas evidence I've ever seen in my life (laughs) um and sometimes the people who've been practicing for like the longest time they just really anchor into their gifts and they get to share their skills with other people in the circles so I know that those are a little bit few and far between hard to find um but there's a lot of like in your community go to your metaphysical shops meet Mm -hmm. with people go have conversations that's how I've met a lot of really interesting people who do this kind of stuff um but I would encourage anyone um on their mediumship journey just to consider like do you have the emotional capacity for this kind of thing because there are certain lines that uh, within mediumship, you can set boundaries for yourself, but things still come through sometimes that can be really heavy or you might get visions of things that are triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And there are different gifts, right? Like there's different ways that people receive psychic information. Like some people see visions and some people hear things. Is that correct? Like there's different... That is correct. Yes, I teach on that, actually. So um, that's called the Claire senses. Um, The Claire's are basically our psychic ways of seeing, feeling, receiving. Um, So you've probably heard of clairvoyance before. Mm -hmm. That's the art of psychic seeing. So most psychics are quite clairvoyant. Um, You often hear some psychics referring to themselves as a clairvoyant. Um, Claire audience is uh, my, in my opinion, the creepiest of the Claire's. It's where you physically hear something in your ear. Um, So that everyone's kind of experienced like someone calling their name, but they're not there or hearing something that they didn't quite hear, like that kind of thing. Or like a lot of the time we have that kind of phenomenon right when we're about to wake up or right when we're about to fall asleep that's when we enter theta state which is a meditative state um and that's when in my opinion when we are most connected to spirit so i think in meditation a lot of the time is the goal is to get there into that brain wave into Mm. theta state um but we also receive through claire clairsentience which is psychic feeling so this can be through feeling emotions or feeling a physical sense in your body um and then there's also uh claircognizance which is just knowing Mm. so a lot of psychics have this uh this is one of my predominant clairs and it's really frustrating because i never know how i know this i just know and it's just kind of like okay i need evidence though like give me like an evidential anchor for this so i can tell the person something to confirm this mm-hmm. but usually when someone receives a claircognizant download it's just 
a bunch of information that is accurate, but they don't know how. And so that is, in my opinion, one of the most confusing places for people. And that's why psychic work can be a little bit difficult, um, is when people are predominantly claircognizant. So I've been dealing with that a little bit in my psychic circles, like seeing people who are having claircognizant downloads and not being able to make sense of them. So I'm actually like kind of working on unpacking that a little bit more. Um, but there's other clairs too, like even the psychic sense of smelling and tasting, like Claire aliens is smelling and Claire Gustin's is tasting. So sometimes you might smell perfume or cigarettes and you might not have that be manifested in your actual environment. Um, have you had any of these experiences? No. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I think for me it's the just the knowing. Like that's always kind of been how I've I've been and like when I have any kind of download, it's just knowing and like I've gone to so many ceremonies and so many like you know different types of journeys and we always like share after and people are like I saw this and like this and this and I'm like I don't see shit I've never seen anything like when I meditate it's just straight downloads of like knowledge it doesn't come through like there's no exactly as you were describing which has felt a bit confusing and it's like I find a couple things really interesting about humans it's like people think that everyone is experiencing the way that they're experiencing until they realize that others are not and then we're also then comparing like it's like well, well how come they're seeing things or they're hearing things or they're having this experience and I'm not so it's so interesting to hear about the names of these different experiences that people can have and my, my question is are these things that you can cultivate or is it like you've been given this and that and that's like all you get and like that person has something completely <laughs> different <laughs> um yeah that's a great question um and that kind of comes up a lot actually because I talk about the clairs in my psychic circles quite a bit because we're always developing them but the thing is it's just like any other muscle like all of these different abilities all of these different ways of receiving are things that we can practice these are things that we can tap into more it's kind of like if you're not familiar with how to tune into your intuition period you're not going to know where to start so um it's just about getting a different lens on things about seeing things from a different perspective and try to trying to tap in to those different senses so mm -hmm. for you not being a very visual person that's okay like if you receive mostly through claircognizance everybody has like different strengths and different weaknesses mm -hmm. and that's going to be based on a lot of different things um but over time you can exercise these things like a muscle and develop them more strongly so if if i was going to recommend to somebody to develop their clairvoyance i would recommend doing more visual exercises like a lot of the time artists are very clairvoyant mm. so people who draw paint sketch like I love to draw I'm very clairvoyant um I notice when I do more art I really tap into that more I've actually just started doing channeled art which is really cool um but uh I would recommend um drawing painting just allowing things to come out of you through a physical form even just doodling can mm. help to bring on clairvoyant visions yeah that makes sense Oh, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I love that. And maybe just to go back a little bit to something you said earlier, for anyone who's unclear, what is the difference between a psychic ability and being a medium? Right. Yeah. So I believe that everyone is psychic um, and everyone can develop that. But I do believe that mediumship is a little bit different. So when it comes to psychic work, we can have psychic downloads about so many different things so we can receive psychic information to oh maybe there's something you need to check at home or maybe you get this download that you need to check in with a friend and they call you 
like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That is more psychic. But when mediumship, uh, what makes mediumship different is we are connecting to people who have passed. So um, this is specifically connecting with the spirits of deceased humans. Um, sometimes in mediumship, I get pets that come through, but I'm not an animal communicator by trade or like professionally at all. So it's quite rare that that happens. So I don't like sell that as something that I do, but, um, I do believe that animal and, and human spirits are very similar, but they're, they're not quite the same. Um, I think that's really the main difference is mediumship is communication with the deceased. And that's Mm. certainly not for everyone. Um, There's a certain level of um, separation that you need to have with that work. Um, There's also a certain level of boundaries that you need to have, spiritual boundaries, uh, with the information you're A, willing to receive from spirit, and B, willing to share with the person who's sitting for you. So um, there needs to be a certain level of professionalism as well. Like if we were going into mediumship with no professionalism we might share things that are not meant to be shared or we might cross a boundary with somebody right Mm -hmm. like there has to be a certain level of is this meant to be shared um could this potentially be harmful and am I receiving something clear enough to know that there's the evidence there to share it so I think um a lot of the time with mediums that are practicing without ethics it can be really um sketchy (laughs) so I, I don't advise Um, starting a mediumship practice without really knowing how to address certain things. I think like that's something that even in my own work as a medium, I have stuff come up that challenges me to even know what to do with with certain information. Um, I think mediumship specifically can be a little scary if you're not used to um, communicating with spirits. I I think sometimes, uh, they can show you evidence of how they passed and that can be very traumatic. Um, so my hardest experiences with mediumship have been related to the passing of children. And I think when it comes to topics like that, uh, that's really where I would say the difference between psychic work and mediumship is, is kind of in these really hard, difficult human experiences of death. And I think, me as a Scorpio moon and rising, I'm pretty comfortable with the realms of death. I've experienced a lot of death in my life. I have lost friends. I've lost family. I have been having conversations with the deceased since I was a child that I'm only recently becoming aware of. Um, I don't think everyone has that capacity on an emotional level to handle that. I wish I didn't. Uh, it would be nice if I was a little softer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice if I, you know, didn't necessarily have the capacity to hold space for dead people. Uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, but I do think that um, I'm very blessed to do this work. And I, I know it's my purpose. I know it's my calling. And I know that I've been able to help other people to connect to not only their faith, and to develop a stronger sense of connection to their own spirituality, but to connect with loved ones that um that they needed to connect with and to to help prove to them that they're not alone just because their loved one is is past like they they're they're very much still around like there are so many benefits to doing this work but it's also it's a lot different than just regular psychic work I don't know if that makes sense to you yeah it does make sense what kind of what I hear when you say that is like the psychic well I have a question that came up when you were describing that do you in the way that you understand in the way that you define and describe these things is there a difference between your intuition and like your psychic ability 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think intuition is very personal. So, um, like intuition is basically like our gut feelings, our deepest inner self communicating with us. It's like Mm -hmm. our connection to our higher self, Mm -hmm. what I like to say that our intuition is. Mm -hmm. But when we're connecting with, um, psychic messages, we can be receiving information from somebody else's higher self. We can be receiving information from somebody that we're connected to or somebody who is on the other side trying to get us to connect to somebody or even just trying to connect to us. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So your intuition is like your personal system and that your psychic ability is tapped into the collective, like everybody's systems. That's yes. I, yes. So, um, one way of looking at it is kind of like, you know how animals communicate non-verbally and they move together in large groups like birds and fish so every living being has this intuitive connection. It's nonverbal communication. Humans are incredible because we have language and we have so many languages and we've developed this over thousands and millions of years to be weird and what we are and it's pretty cool. But we really don't take into account how much nonverbal communication goes into it. Like it's a subconscious thing that is constantly happening. We are always picking up on nonverbal communication, whether or not we realize it. Um, and because of that, I think everyone already is tapped into the collective consciousness because of that. I think everyone already is psychic, but they just don't realize that they're doing it. Um, and so I think the more we tap into that, the more we can pick up on that nonverbal communication between ourselves and our close friends, we might have stronger nonverbal communication with them. But Mm -hmm. even as we go into the world and we move through our daily lives, challenge yourself to not speak on your walk, but to pick up on the energy of everyone who passes you and see what comes through. Like I guarantee you, you'll receive more than you were expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a really simple exercise that is not invasive. No one's going to know you're doing it. Um, And you can really practice your intuition like on a walk. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I think that already happens to me. Being someone who's, like, super sensitive and, like, such an empath, I feel like I receive so much energy from every exchange that I have with people, and a lot of the time that is nonverbal. I just have never really had language to understand what I'm feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. You're doing it. (laughs) Mm, That's so cool. Um, Yeah. I have a couple more questions for you. So when we talk about, or when you talk about being a witch, what does that mean? How do you define that? Like, how do you get that label? How do I become a witch? Ooh, I feel like you're a witch when you feel like you're a witch. Like I, I am like one of those people that is like super against the whole like baby witch terminology. Like if you're not a freaking baby, (laughs) you're a witch. Like no one's a baby. Like, stop it. Stop infantilizing yourselves. You know what I mean? Like, when mm-hmm. I see people be like, oh, I'm just a baby witch. Like, I don't know anything. I'm like, no, you're magical. Stop. <laughs> um, so it drives me nuts. I just hate when women infantilize themselves specifically. Like, if you're a man and you want to infantilize yourself, go for it. At this point, that's fine with me. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, I just, I can't see women do it to themselves. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so witches are really anyone who sees themselves outside of the larger collective of things. So, mm-hmm. uh like to be a witch is to be in opposition to traditional forms of healing being and doing like I feel like witches have always been connected to the medicine and magic of plants witches have been connected to the medicine and magic of the land Mm. um if you look at the history of witches it all revolves around counterculture so I think in modern society, anyone who really goes against the grain of what we are told we are supposed to do is 
inherently a witch by accident. Um, but I think what makes somebody a witch through intention is knowing their magic, knowing their personal power, and understanding that they're... Oh, sorry, my doorbell's going. I think my partner's going to get it. Um, but knowing that, like, your magic is inherently more important than the systems of power that are existing outside of you i think that is like all it takes to be a witch um but in order to practice magic it, it is as simple as pairing an intention with an aligned action that in itself is a spell i like to tell people the recipe for a spell is having an intention and having an action that is aligned with that intention and taking it mm. so it can be as simple as like i have a pen and I tell this pen that it is the most special pen in the world. And it is going to help me write the most amazing, beautiful spells. And I can, therefore, guys, my children are barking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Pixie, that is enough. So, um, yeah, like doing something as simple as like putting an intention into an object is a spell in itself. People do this with crystals all the time because crystals hold memory. Crystals mm. are record keepers so that is as simple as it is to do a spell be a witch uh take your power back um really knowing that your intention holds power that everything that you do is inherently magical because how magical is it for us to even exist i feel like witches are just people who have realized their divinity that's kind of all it is well that's good news i'm excited to know that i am a witch and my intention is just to get <laughs> witchier and witchier each day so I love that so much thank you for sharing that you're so welcome <laughs> um I think I have one and a half more questions for you I want I do want to circle back sure. to this idea of orbs I want to I want to know what you meant when you said that <laughs> slash is there a relationship between orbs and auras or are these completely different things Ooh, actually, that's interesting. That's a very good question. So um, I'm going to start with auras because the orbs situation is next level. So let's start with auras. Okay. Basically, um, everyone, everything has an aura. Even objects that are inanimate can hold auras because mm. they pick up on the energy of their environment. It's kind of like a sponge. There are certain items and objects that are going to sponge energy harder than others, like mattresses and beds are energetic sponges. Like if I sit on someone else's bed, I'm like, whoa, like it's just a lot of vibes so I feel like there are certain things that pick up energy more wood items really hold energy but the auras exist in living creatures and like inanimate objects and kind of pick up on them and hold them mm. but living creatures all emit like a an energetic frequency um I really like to stay away from certain language that is like like too 5d for me i don't know if like <laughs> this is making sense but i don't want to be like oh frequency and vibration only because it's it's a little bit more simple than that actually like we don't have to necessarily use certain jargon to get these ideas across but everybody has an energy um if you look at um certain types of like spiritual photography like curly and photography it picks up on the electromagnetic frequency of objects there's a lot of really cool curly and photography of leaves seeing the energetic mm. pattern of a leaf um emitting from it so um i actually love teaching people how to read their own auras so maybe i can teach you how to do that another time but basically um the aura is just our energetic vibe emitting from us and that changes all the time based on our own energy what we're putting out there um who we come into contact with things that end up in our energetic field um certain things that we might be blocking in ourselves 
orbs in my opinion are uh like more of like a phenomenon um and there are a couple different explanations for it in science one being ball lightning i don't know if you've ever heard of ball lightning Mm -hmm. before um it's a lightning phenomenon where lightning moves around in like a sphere very quickly and there's videos of it uh it's it's a phenomenon that happens very rarely so I've heard some people trying to explain orbs as this phenomenon. I do not think that they are the same thing. Um, but my experience with orbs, uh, I have seen orbs in photographs. I have had um, orbs show up in photographs that I've taken many times, um, specifically in areas that have a lot of activity. Um, there was a, a location that I used to go to in my youth that was a burned down brick factory and we used to like sneak in there and do seances and stuff. That place had a ton of orbs. Like that place had so much weird activity on camera. Um, I think that there's a lot of paranormal investigators that would have a lot more to say about orbs than I do. But I do think that um, my ex- my first experience with orbs was mostly through photographs. Um, but my friend and I, uh, when we were, I think, 12, we snuck out one night. Um, it was snowing, and we wanted to go like play in the snow at 4 in the morning because we were 12. Um, and we thought it would be like badass to sneak out and bring her cats. <laughs> so... Um, we, we snuck out of her house, uh, went to the ravine, and there's like a bridge pathway from one end of the ravine to another. And it's pitch black, there's like no lights, there's a couple street lights kind of off in the back through the path that we came through. And all of a sudden at the end of the bridge, we see what looks like a flashlight. And we were like, uh-oh, I guess there's somebody there. And then within seconds, it sped up and was right in front of us and was larger. And it was like this big ball of light. And all of a sudden, it just kind of, it didn't like explode. It just flashed. And then it was gone. And we were like, what the fuck? And so we both saw it. We didn't say anything to each other, but we were both like petrified. Her cat jumps out of her jacket, like runs away into the woods. We were screaming at this point. We were like running back to her apartment. We're like banging on her dad's door at four something in the morning and screaming about this orb. And he, he let us in and had to like call my parents. And it was this whole situation. And the, the next time I went over there, he was like, oh, hey, the, the orb's at the door for you. And I was just like, oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> that, that was kind of, like, my first, like, weird paranormal experience I ever had. And yeah. after that, I was, like, so devoted to figuring out what the fuck that was. Because, you know, I was 12 and, like, had this visceral experience. My friend saw the same thing. Years later, we even connected. And I was like, hey, remember the orb thing? Like, did that happen? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> happened and like I've been like wanting to reach out to her again and be like just double checking about the orb though yeah. like okay. can you see that yeah <laughs> yeah so that that kind of sent me into this like spiritual sort of journey almost like that was like a defining moment that I was like was that orb trying to protect us from going into the woods at night was it chasing us home like what was happening there like what mm. like I've just tried to like reason with it so many times and like unpack it and yeah that kind of was why I was looking at the orb book because I had taken so many photos of them over the years. And then I also had that really wild experience with my friend. And I feel like I still don't necessarily have an explanation for the orbs, but most recently my mom went to Mexico. Sorry. I'm like having some burping here. <laughs> burping is just energy My mom went moving. to Mexico and yeah. brought back all these pictures from going into these old temples in old ruins and there's tons of orbs in them and it just kind of reminded me of the the orb thing Mm. um 
So I do think that there can be like ways that spirit shows up on camera or shows up as a physical apparition that we don't know or understand yet. Like I think our ideas of quantum physics are onto something, but I think there's a whole lot of shit we don't have understood yet. Um, and I, I have a lot of hope for, for the future. Maybe we'll have more intersections studying the realms of, you know, spirituality and science. I'd love to see that. Me too. That's so cool. That's a crazy, did you get, I hope the cat came back eventually. Oh yeah. He came back. I think it was like the next day or something, but we were like just (laughs) traumatized from that experience. We were like, we lost the cat and there was the orb. And her dad was like, you've got to go home. That is wild. (laughs) That is so cool. Um, the aura thing is really interesting too. Are you someone who can like, when you see someone, you just are seeing their aura at the same time? Is that a, a skill that people have? Some, sometimes, yes. So I think people who can see auras, I think everyone can see them. I think it's just working on, um, getting into the zone where you bring that into your awareness more often. I've actually taught a few people how to see auras before. Cool. So, um, I want to put something together for that because there's a lot of like really simple tips that can help you. Um, like even a really quick trick is like take your hand, hold it up to the ceiling where there's like a blank background. And when the when you have daylight in your like clear daylight is the best lighting to see auras. Oh. And having somebody against a white background or a blank background. Um, I used to work in this office that had like window walls, and my box would be at the back corner, and she'd be at her desk, and I could just see her aura beaming off of her because the wall was white behind her, and mm. the light was shining right on her. Okay. So there are certain ways that make it easier. But if you hold your hand up to the ceiling and just look at one of your knuckles and kind of almost zone out past it, you know, when you like let your eyes yeah. glaze over, like you're about to yeah fall asleep or something like that kind of vibe like just lose focus as you lose focus you'll notice this line kind of form around the outside almost like you know on the horizon how you see that like white peak of light right before Mm -hmm. like that like kind of waves off the pavement sort of phenomenon will kind of happen around the outside of your hand just closest to the skin and then eventually a color will form near it and so just don't look directly at the color or the waves just allow yourself to move your gaze past it and you'll notice the color kind of growing if you look directly at it it tends to go away so you have to kind of look past someone to see their aura a little bit that's how I would describe it that's so interesting it's like one of those things from the 90s like those magic 3d photos when you had to like relax your eyes and then it would pop out you remember those yes it's very like that yes yeah it's absolutely like that so if you like to practice those you can yeah. probably see auras <laughs> I could never see those so that makes a lot of sense too I'm like such a force I'm like <laughs> I don't know how to not force an outcome working on that still and the mattress thing really Trust. resonated with me like especially traveling lots and like staying in lots of airbnbs and like sleeping in weird beds where millions of people have slept like does that then impact my energy and my aura do I need to be more mindful of clearing myself after those types of things? Or is it just like the, the mattress is, itself that is collecting? I think like we energetically pick up on stuff that doesn't belong to us all the time. Yeah. And I think over time we end up allowing that to manifest in different ways, depending on who we are and how much we allow to be held in our aura or in our energetic body is kind of what I like to refer to the aura as. Yeah. Um, 
we like when you walk into a room and you can feel someone's presence that's their energetic body taking up space so we can really push our energy out and pull it in as much as we want to Mm -hmm. so really being aware of that connection is something that can really help you to kind of protect your energy from really anything so Mm -hmm. even just doing a meditation a lot of mediums do a meditation called sitting in the power which is basically just expanding and contracting your energy intentionally to feel where that energetic field begins to connect with spirit and then when it begins to connect back with us so just bringing awareness to your own expansion and contraction of your own energy Um, and then also just the power of intention like if you go into an Airbnb and your intention is I'm not picking up any vibes from this mattress then you're probably not going to Mm. however you might also want to like energetically clear that area um, if that helps you to get into that vibe so I don't necessarily believe everything needs to be like energetically cleansed for you to be able to sleep on it that's like you know, I'm low maintenance. Like I'm not going to go energetically cleanse everything before I touch it. Um, yeah. Like I, like I could never, like I'm just lazy. So (laughs) I would just recommend just setting an intention with yourself and trying to be more aware of like, can you feel something else's energy? Is this mine? Is this yours? Like Mm. that's kind of one of the relationships that we really focus on in psychic work period is, is this mine or does this belong to someone else? Mm, Um, and so for you, if you're going into a lot of Airbnbs, maybe even do something like just take Florida water in your hands, do a little energetic clearing, kind of move your hands over the bed or something and then get in it. I feel like even something that simple could even just clear the vibes. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's so helpful. And I, I think maybe that's one of the reasons why like the way that you are and the way that your business is like it really (laughs) resonates with me because I'm also like low maintenance, lazy. And I think the fact that you are not like way up in the 5d and like using all of that language it makes it so approachable and it makes it so easy to understand and you have such a gift of taking these really spiritual you know really cosmic divine things and like making them really easy to understand so you're so well spoken i appreciate you taking the time to explain all of this stuff it's been so so valuable Thank you. That's such a compliment. I really appreciate that. Like I really tried to be grounded in my practice and I found when I was really getting started in my spiritual journey and my mediumship journey, a lot of the stuff that I see online, a lot of the people that I'm meeting, like I just don't resonate with a lot of like the super fluffy, like very ungrounded 5D stuff. Like we're humans. We are here in a human incarnation to live a human life. I don't care if I'm from Arcturus. I don't care (laughs) if I was some sort of alien in a past life. I'm literally here right now doing what I'm doing in this incarnation. So I'm not focused on my astral body. I'm focused on me here now and being human and all the crazy human shit we have to deal with. Like, I think we need to transmute the energies here before we start thinking outside there. Yeah. It's kind of my vibe. I love that. I love, I love the way that you explained that. And I think you're doing a great job of finding that balance between like bringing that in and offering that to people, but being really grounded, being really grounded in the way that you do it. And speaking of being, thank you. I think there's, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think there's a place for, you know, love and light and 5D stuff, and that's fine. It's just not my, not my circuits, not my monkeys. Yeah. And, like, as I'm thinking about, like, the opposite end of that spectrum, that documentary, um, what is it called? The Mother God documentary. Have you seen that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Of course. I love cult documentaries. Are you joking? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio rising. It's like my lifeblood. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was mind-blowing, and it's just such a... It was like so it was so mind bending to watch like people taking the language and like all of these things that like do make so much sense to me and just like warping the shit out of them. And yeah, just 
completely being the opposite, like so ungrounded and so out of touch with reality. It's, it's a scary thing to, to witness. Well, spiritual psychosis is real and I've seen it happen to people that I care about. I've Mm. definitely seen people that I know go on that tear and get really, really deep into the new earth theories. And, you know, like, I do believe that we're like having our consciousness change as a collective. I do believe we're moving into new timelines, but I think we've got to also keep it a little bit real and get serious about some of the stuff that humans are experiencing here and now. I've actually never heard that before. Spiritual psychosis. That that makes it all make perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a lot more people who are in a spiritual psychosis than they might realize. Mm. So it's important to have a critical lens with this stuff too, just as much as it is to have an open mind. Um, I do think that coming from like a media studies background, I'm all about a critical lens. I'm all about fact checking. I'm all about sources. Like I, I see the ways that media works to change the way that we perceive reality. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really important for me being somebody who's on social media to, to be responsible with what I'm sharing with, with other people. And I think that, um, we're really blessed and favored to not have, uh, restrictions for most of what we speak on. Mm-hmm. Um, to have this much spiritual freedom and to be able to speak freely on our faith is a blessing and not many witches who came before us had that privilege. So I do think that there is a certain level of professionalism that needs to go into what we are sharing and whether or not that is supportive for everyone's mind. Yes. Oh, that's so refreshing. I'm just really inspired by the way that you show up and the way that you, yeah, the way that you do what you do. So speaking of social media, where can people find you if they're wanting to reach out for a reading or to learn more from you? Is, is Instagram the best place for them to contact you? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram would probably be the best. You can find me at earthside medium uh, or on earthsidemedium.com. Amazing. And I'll, I will take you in the, in the episode notes so that people can easily find you and reach out to you. Oh, this has been so fun. I feel like I could pick your brain for literally days and days. So I so, so, so appreciate <laughs> you coming on and having this conversation and sharing, which I'm sure is just a tiny piece of like all of the wisdom and all of the gifts that you have to offer. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to watch my recording of my reading and then continue to work with you and learn from you. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you, Riley. Thank you so much for having me here and allowing me to be a part of this show and giving me access to just your your wisdom and your audience. And I really just hope that the conversations here today have inspired you to continue to deepen your spiritual journey in, in any way that feels best for you. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm excited. This is like, I'm on a high after this conversation and I'm sure many others will be as well. So thank you, thank you. Me too. Yeah, I'm really feeling it. I'm feeling very inspired. Thank you so much.